Hi, I'm Rachel Cook. I'm Corey Santiago, and this is Delete If Not Allowed. Well, look who's back. I'm back. <laughs> We're back. Well, this is Annabelle's first uh, podcast appearance. It's her debut. It's her debut. Oh, Annabelle, any any words? Shockingly, nice. she's so quiet. <laughs> One month in and nothing to say, huh? <laughs> okay, t- take it all in, babe. Take it all in. <laughs> so I like fill us in what happened oh my god okay yeah what happened is a great place to begin (laughs) what happened gee okay let's start to the monday before my c-section monday before i gave birth my daughter lola came home from preschool sick like she always does and i'm like oh you've been like coughing in my face for like days yeah, I guess you're really sick. So we went to the doctor and they were like, eh, it could be a cold, could be COVID, could be RSV. Let's like test her for everything. And I was like, cool, great. Had my, uh, had an appointment with my OB later that day. And I was just like, hey, I know I'm having a C-section on Wednesday, but there's like a chance that my daughter has COVID or RSV. Like, and they're like, yeah, there's, there's nothing you can do. Like, good luck. I'm like, all right, cool. Went home, put a sick kid to bed, whatever. Go to my C-section Wednesday. Um, I was very nervous about having a C-section at 37 weeks. Uh, I had to have a three, uh, have it at 37 weeks because of blood pressure issues. Um, and they were like convincing me that, you know, it was going to be safer for Annabelle to be out of my body than in my body. But I was nervous and I was nervous that she was going to be so little at 37 weeks. Um, But, you know, amazingly, incredibly, uh, the C-section went without incident. Everything went great. And she came out seven pounds, 10 ounces, which was bigger than Lola. She was fully cooked. She was good. (laughs) Fully cooked, ready. So um, that was amazing. And probably four hours after I gave birth, uh, Lola's pediatrician called me to say that she tested positive for RSV. Oh, the worst. So meanwhile, I've had this newborn on my body and they're like, well, mom, are you having any symptoms? And I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, that's fine. And, um, you know, just sort of like hoping that somehow I didn't have RSV. And that night I started feeling symptoms and then they tested me and I tested positive for RSV the day after Annabelle was born and nobody knew what to do. This is the thing that was like crazy. Like one of the nurses who I loved, she was like, it reminds me of what happened with COVID. Like in the beginning, everyone was like, do we take the babies from the mom? Like, what do we do? Does the baby have it? Like, you know, like, and you know anyway so so scary one day old i have rsv 
also shocking that like again that no one really knew what to do they were like do you want us to put her like in one of those isolation things i feel like this has to have happened before like it It has to have happened new for them like even but even with covid i remember they were like well if you have covid like some hospitals like you have to separate somewhere you had you could stay but it was just like there was guidance on what to do well they 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 basically were like there's no hospital policy on this but like you should probably not have anyone visit and I was like okay well that's yeah obvious you know and obviously Lola wasn't going to come to the hospital and they were like you know if you want to put her one of the pediatricians I saw was like you need to put her in an isolation um unit and not unit but like incubator type thing that they put like an isolate yeah an isolate yes and I was like I'm she'd already been ass- exposed for like two right. days at that point at like, that point if, rather if than say if if she had been bored and had just like then I get it then it's like all right like we know what it is but like right well and like part of me was like I wish they had tested me before I gave birth but then they probably would have taken her away from me the minute she came out of you, me you also might not have tested positive then so it's, I know so it was it, crazy it, and so you know it took me so it was like insane so um I basically like you know it felt like it was on me to make the call of what to do which was super so heavy overwhelming yeah like I was like I don't know the right thing to do should she be away from me like is it okay if she's on like again she's been breathing the same air as me like when you're trying to establish breastfeeding everything I remember it's like you just put them on your chest the whole time that's for me that's what works with Lola so like she's right against my face like the idea that we hadn't already exchanged germs like I was so, and again, to like connect and bond and everything, like wanted to hold my baby. And so they were like, well, maybe just like, you know, when you nurse her, you know, stay masked. And when you nurse her mask up and then keep her in the little, whatever crib thing, you know, Mm -hmm. next to your bed or whatever. Uh, Jay didn't have any symptoms. Uh, They didn't even test Jay. But at that point, it probably didn't matter. It didn't matter. I started wearing a mask because I was just like, it's the best you could do. So nervous. But yeah. And then, and then it just started kicking in, just feeling like, you know, people, people keep, even now, they're like, RSV is just like a bad cold for adults. And, you know, again, the thing about RSV that's so scary for little ones is that their airways are so little, like a bad cold for a one day old whose nasal passage is smaller than my pinky. Yeah. Exactly. Kids die from it. Like it's super scary. But I felt like everyone kept minimizing my symptoms. They're like, oh, it's a bad cold. And I'm like, yeah, it's a bad cold. But and when I you just had of- abdominal surgery, like coughing while yes. all your guts are still settling into place, goodbye. Like, and you can't take yes. cough medicine because you're nursing. You can't take like yes. anything because it's going to dry you up. It was terrible. It was like, it Ugh. also took me like six hours to get a cough drop in the hospital. They're like, we have to get a prescription. Like we're going to like scan it in. And they, they probably charged you a dollar a cough drop when oh, you I'm get sure. your hospital bill. Well, and then they brought me one and I'm like, okay. What this- is one going to do for me? <laughs> I sent Jay home. I'm like, go, go get the stash, you know, but um, huh. yeah, it was insane. So that sucked. And um, yeah, I just felt like everyone, and rightfully so, was so worried about Annabelle. I was too. And they but didn't they were have sort of the antibodies like, there? I like. No, no. And I was even like, I asked one of the pediatricians on call because new policy is that my pediatrician can't come to the hospital anymore. They use their own on staff pediatricians. And one of them, I was like asking, I'm like, do, do they have the new, um, I guess it's the antibodies. It's not a vaccine, but you know, do they have, the, do you have that? She was like, I don't know. I'm like, well, shouldn't it be your job to find out? Like, 
anyway and now also like not for nothing it's cold and flu season you should probably like that you should probably know like yes it's new and i like as of the time of this recording there is a nationwide shortage of antibodies and it's only given to like certain populations right and like the even the vaccine there's a shortage of it but like still like just that's your job your one you got to figure that part out yeah it was it sucked so it felt like no one really was cared that i was in agony and then the emotional agony of just like again being so scared if i was exposing annabelle if annabelle was going to get sick and then you know my whole plan to like bring lola to the hospital i had like a big sister bag i had matching pajamas for the girls like i had this whole plan to include Lola from the beginning that like when she came into the hospital room, I wouldn't be holding Annabelle and then I could just hold her. And like, then we together could hold the baby. Like I had this whole thing mapped out and of course she couldn't come. And because Lola had RSV, they were like, why don't you guys stay in the hospital as long as possible? Like with a C-section, you get to have up to four days, you know? And so again, all of a sudden my two day hospital stint that was supposed to have Lola visiting both days or whatever, turned into like four days away from her and you know my mom and my sister were like dropping things off at the hospital for me and like calling me and so I knew Lola knew what was going on we tried FaceTiming and you know again not the way you want to meet your your kid wants to meet their sister and so like Jay was holding Annabelle in one of the videos like when we were FaceTiming her and she was like she started crying and she was like daddy holding the baby and like she was just upset like it was so rough and so the last day I was there I was just like I need to go home I was like look it's Saturday like I gave birth on Wednesday so it was Saturday morning and I like asked the nurse I was like I don't know if Saturday morning or Sunday morning is going to make a big difference like I need to be home for bedtime with my two-year-old and you know, we're all going to have RSV tomorrow too. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like tomorrow it's going to be over. And then another pediatrician on call came in and told me that you're most symptomatic. I mean, sorry, you're most contagious before you're symptomatic. I was going to say, it's like the two or three days before you show any symptoms. So, so at this point, it's been I'm like, done at that point. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like three days in, but so then it was just like, um, they tested Annabelle, but she was negative. So it was like trying to keep her from getting sick. Um, so we got, we went home and I was so nervous to have Lola meet her. Like, again, I just had all this anxiety and physical discomfort from the C-section and healing. Um, but also of course from having RSV, just like I had no energy. I was coughing. I like couldn't really breathe well. Um, and anyway, the, the, the day one, like the homecoming, the introduction was like, between Annabelle and Lola was like amazing. Like Lola was so happy. I've never seen her face light up like that. It was still so good. She turned into like such a big girl overnight. It was amazing. Like it was really beautiful and magic. And like, don't get me wrong. It has not, (laughs) it has not stayed that way. Like (laughs) I I plan to share, I plan to dish, but that initial, like I really needed that initial moment. To get you through it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, cool. Um, so I'll, I have a few things like thoughts I want to share about things I forgot, but before just in terms of the, what happened. Uh, so we had our first week, just, you know, me trying to recover and not get Annabelle sick, took her to the pediatrician, make sure she was gaining weight. She gained a little bit, but then she started getting sniffly, took her back to the pediatrician at this point. She's like 10 days old. And she tested positive for for RSV. 
Um, so then it was just like, you know, trying to make sure she nursed enough and um, that she was breathing, you know, well enough, keeping her airways clean, little snot sucker thing from whatever. Uh, so that was super scary. And at least then I was feeling better. But at the same time, it was just like, oh, my God, again, she's so little trying to make sure that she would nurse enough to gain it's, weight. It's, ter it's terrifying. Allie had it when she was four months old. And I remember being like so scared. Yeah. Yeah. So like at two weeks, we were juggling that. And then probably like, yeah, I think she was probably about it was between the second and third week of her life when I started having like pain in my rib cage area and like back pain and some just like gastro stuff. And I was like, mm, this sucks, but maybe it's fine and then I was like maybe it's muscular maybe like I pulled a muscle in my rib you were cage. trying you were trying so hard I was trying and then I eventually you know again like I was like a good mother I ignored my symptoms and downplayed it for a long time until I couldn't bear it <laughs> and then I called my doctor and they were like you need to go to the emergency room now and I was like what it was like a Sunday night and I was just like I thought you were gonna just like give me a muscle relaxer and tell me to chill the fuck out and they were like, no, 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 you, this is serious. So, uh, and, you know, they were like, you can bring the baby. Uh, and then they were like, wait, she had RSV. You definitely should not bring her to the hospital. Like, you cannot bring a sick baby with RSV back to the hospital for our staff safety or the baby's safety. Just like, no. So, you know, <clears throat> wasn't planning on leaving Annabelle at, I don't know, whatever it was. 20 days old but I had to go into the emergency room not well I went back to labor and delivery um by myself my mom took Lola and Jake took Annabelle and I was hoping I might be able to come back I live really close to the hospital so anyway went to labor and delivery and they were like maybe it's your posture from nursing that like <laughs> is giving you this pain and I was just like ma'am no like <laughs> I know this is not the first time I've done this and also no like I was in natural labor with Lola for two days like I know pain and this is really painful like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't really unbearable anyway fast forward a few more hours and it turns out I had gallstones and had to have my gallbladder removed at three weeks postpartum you said uh, one abdominal surgery not enough yeah hold my beer right like my gallbladder what so yeah, the nurses came in like to my gallbladder surgery and like, so we hear you're three months postpartum. I'm like, no, homegirl, 21 days. Like, and they were like, oh my God. Uh, so that sucked again. Having to leave Annabelle is a same day procedure. But again, like, I think I was gone for probably like six hours, it, you know, uh, emergency gallbladder surgery, three weeks postpartum, really not cool. Wouldn't recommend it. I was totally like, okay, whatever you need to do. I guess do it because again, I was in so much pain. Um, but I'm not going to lie. The recovery was horrible. I've never broken a rib, but I can imagine that's sort of how it feels. Like it hurt to laugh. It hurt to breathe deeply. It hurt to move, to sit, to stand from lying to sitting. And again, I'm breastfeeding. So like getting, you know, you're in getting up all the time. So again, I, three weeks post C-section, I had just started kind of getting some of my energy back. And then I was like back to Zapped square one. To square one. It was actually yeah. worse. I would have rather had like the C-section recovery was easier than the gallbladder and C-section recovery. And when mm. I woke up from the surgery, one of the nurses was like, I think the reason you're in so much pain is because this is 
so close to your c-section surgery um so now I'm like <laughs> two weeks to the day post uh, uh, gallbladder surgery and I don't even know and I'm feeling better finally I have my strength back I'm not supposed to be lifting anything over 15 pounds but I'm I'm feeling much better and I'm able to get around I'm driving myself now and um, now I just have a one month old and a toddler so you know there's that chaos but my my physical health is fine. <laughs> I'm so glad you're okay. But like, I feel bad because I definitely gaslit you toward the end. I'm like, or it could be great. Like everything's going to be fine. Like it's all going <laughs> to be wonderful. Then it was like, fuck, could anything like worse happen? Well, here? no, Probably you know, not. like, you know, it's, it's good to be positive. I'm glad I was optimistic. And you know what? All in all considered, like I had access to great doctors. You know, I had family support you know, my, I had a partner who could hold things down when I wasn't here. I had my mom nearby who could help with childcare, you know, like, so I feel really blessed considering, and I feel really glad that both the kids are healthy and, um, yeah, but it was just dramatic, man. Like, you know, like, so, so these, so I've been thinking a lot about coming back. I've missed the podcast, miss you core. And, you know, thinking about, um, you know, what I wanted to share about this and there's like I made a short list of things that I feel like I forgot um and what I was gonna say is like the first thing I feel like I forgot and I don't want to like scare anyone about this but you know we're here we're deleted if not allowed we're uncensored uncensored we're baby keep saying it the things that you're afraid <laughs> or don't want to say uh birth is scary no matter how you do it yes. and like you know again here it was like a plan c-section the second time which is not what I wanted but at the same time, what I wanted was the safest possible thing for my baby. So that that is what I wanted. So I had this plan C-section. And theoretically, that is that should have reduced some of the anxiety, fear, drama that occurred. And But only um, by so much. Like, it's not going to make it all go away. That's yeah, not no, a thing. It was still a very dramatic birth story. <laughs> um, you know, they were all like, when I went back to the pediatrician... Oh, let it out, girl. Let it out. Uh, when I tell your story, <laughs> she's like, I know we're reliving it. Is it triggering? Oh, trigger warning for the poor baby. <laughs> when I went back to the pediatrician, they were. She was like, "Oh, it's the RSV family." I'm like, "Okay, let's not." <laughs> Can we fucking not do that? Like, like, yeah. And you had like no one had any guidance for me. Wasn't that great? Um. So yeah, birth is scary. Right before my C-section, I just like freaked out. I was just like, holy shit. Because the first time, you know, I was in natural label with Lola for two days. And then by the time someone said C-section, like I was so depleted, exhausted. Like it was just, it was. And then you had like I a would... double recovery because you were pushing and then you had yeah. a C-section. So it's like everything is just blown up. But I was at the at the point too where I was just like, okay, fine, anything. Like I didn't Whatever, even have time to be scared out. of the C section yeah. compared to pushing for you know that long and not having her come out. Like I was already scared. It couldn't. But to go from like just like a wake up in the morning, like <laughs> hey, like it's a great day to be like I'm about to be cut open and the baby's gonna be pulled out of me. Like I I had a little freak out and I, right before we went in, I started crying and 
afterwards I said to Jay, I was like, I was a little surprised how scared I was. And he was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's well, like, you've I, done this before. And I, was I like, think if you had no emotional reaction, like I, I would have been surprised by that because it's a, yeah. it's a big day. It's a big thing. It's a big transition. You're going from a family of three, a family of four. And it's just like, yep, I'm walking around fine. And then my guts are going to be on the table in five minutes. Like that's just, yeah. a, that's a lot for your brain to process. And like, it ended up being okay, but like, it's just, it's hard to not like, you're a mom, you're going to care about your baby. You're going to be care about yourself. Like that's what you're going to do. No, I was totally. And afterwards I said to the doctor, I was like, thank you so much. I was like, this is really scary. And she was like, yes, it is. And I was like, thank you for affirming that. So uh, yeah, birth is scary. No matter how you do it, it, it is scary. It is also beautiful and joyous. And um, you know, I like, heard a lot of really good I think evidence-based you know um advice about not being fearful like you know and, and to have a successful vaginal delivery or natural delivery you need to not buy into the fear and you need to stay relaxed and open and I, I think there's a lot of uh truth to that and it's still okay to be scared well you <laughs> have it's... to you have to be realistic right you have to prepare for like I just saw this on TikTok. You prepare for like the birth of your dreams, but you also have to prepare for the birth that you don't want because that might yeah. be the one that you get. Like, it's just such a crapshoot. And like, it is scary. And like, I don't want to scare people listening, but like, it's scary, but it's scary that you could do. Like, yeah. you can do it. And when you're in the moment, you it's like, I know some people are like, oh, I can't do it, but I never thought like, I can't do this. I thought, well, I would really rather be doing anything else but this, but like, I know I can do it. And afterwards it is very empowering, but it's you don't know what it's going to be like like there's you yeah. can prepare as much as you want but it's just every time is different and I'm a big believer in life in general but definitely in birth too like you don't know what you'll do until you're in it like you know mm -hmm. what I mean like you you can't imagine rising to the occasion until you have to and then when it comes to the safety and well-being of your child or yourself you'll do what you have to do and yeah. you know again we are resilient by nature and we will survive and endure and again you can't foresee it but but you'll do it. Um, so yeah, that's the first birth is scary. The second, I was reminded of day one home. If your confidence comes from things going right, <laughs> if your confidence as a mother comes from things going well or right, you're fucked. Um, because I will tell you, look, like the first time I got both kids dressed and out of the house and myself, I was like, yes, like I am killing it. Like here I am, mom of two. And it's really empowering. And you're just like, I can do anything. And then, you know, it's 9.05 a.m. And everything starts falling apart. So I was just reminded, which again, as a mom, you figure out quickly, but I just sort of forgot um, that you cannot put any stock in and things like just take it lightly when it goes well cool it worked out that time but do not expect it to go well the next time and when it doesn't work out it doesn't mean you're failing and right like it doesn't mean no you're learning um, it's all new like you have never totally. been a mom of two before it's been like and when we had our babies it was closer to COVID like things were just different they were handled different like it's just you got to give yourself a little grace like be patient with yourself completely um Next thing was uh, that motherhood is fun and silly. <laughs> and that is something that day one, I did not feel like, again, part of it, I physically was not well. And it was just, it just felt hard. 
felt hard. It felt like I just, I mean, I still feel like I can't figure out what to do when both kids need me. Um, not need an adult, but need me. You know, like when Annabelle needs to nurse and Lola's going through a I need mommy moment, like it's really hard. And so day one, I felt really like, oh, my God, overwhelmed. How do I do this? Just anxious, nervous, scared, angry, sad, um, worried. And I don't know, somewhere in the first couple of days, I then was like, did something with Lola that was like funny, you know, like put on a funny voice or whatever to get her to put on pajamas. And I was like oh <laughs> like you know it, it's silly motherhood is silly and even with a newborn like she was so little I was so nervous around her I think too because you know again in the hospital when when I was sick and no one knew if I was gonna get her sick or whatever it like it made me not trust my instincts like my instincts were like just pick up the babies put them close to you hold them all the time and then I was like oh my god what if this is not the right thing what if this is actually going to make her sick so it like made me second guess myself a lot um and once I was able to be like all right this is I wish I had kind of like leaned in, into that sooner but I just felt like again even the hospital wasn't even sure like what to advise me to do if I should pick her up or not like it was well, when, you, when you're in that like fight or flight kind of mode it's hard to do that like you just yeah. like it's hard to be like the fun mom when you're like okay don't want to like give my child an illness and like right the the stakes feel so high to you already just like established nursing and like is she gaining weight like what is this like like the stakes feel so high to you totally so once I was able to be like oh like it's, you know, put on a funny voice and make a funny face. And like, you know, it's like sweet. And fun. I was like, oh, yeah, like that is being a mom and it's fun and it's sweet and it's silly and it's OK to be those things. It doesn't it's not so serious every minute. And yes, it was scary, but we get through it with laughing, um, which brings me to my fourth thing, I think, um, which <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. Only clean hair gets dirty. <laughs> so, like, I just for a couple of days, I was just like, it's inevitable. Like, if you wash your hair, it will get puked on. And then I just realized if you don't wash your hair, like, it's always dirty. Then you don't have to worry about your clean hair getting dirty if it's always dirty. So <laughs> I've learned that way. Just like, don't clean your hair that often because um, it will just get dirty again. Yeah, that's so. very true. Very true. <laughs> Mom hack. Don't don't wash your hair. Um, <laughs> and the other thing I forgot is uh, how much time you spend in the car as yep. a mom, a new mom. Like there's been a couple times where it's just like, you know, she falls asleep and I don't want to transfer her. So it's like, I'll just stay in the car. I'll just swing by Starbucks. I'll just whatever get a Fallon Coke like you know what I mean like what is it is what it is um there's also like times where like we're doing something but like there's not enough time to go back home and like unpack her from the car and repack her back in so it's just easier if we stay in the car um so yeah spending a lot of time in the car so those were like the five things that I felt like I kind of forgot and was reminded and was like oh okay yeah sure I remember this um in general, she's a really awesome, sweet, sleepy, cozy little babe. Like, she really is, you know, to me, it, it feels very similar to Lola. Like, I 
I it reminded me how easy it was when I had Lola because there are hours of the day where she just sleeps straight through, you know, like I'm happy I'm the one that nurses her because <laughs> I can always calm her down. Like I feel like the most is like she'll spend like 90 seconds like crying and I'll be like, all right. And then we just like nurse and she's fine. She's a pacifier baby, which is Ooh, not Lola was say, not. That's that's different. Which pacifier uh is she taking right now? <laughs> Wish I could tell you, Core. <laughs> <laughs> I have like seven of them around the house. Uh the I just remember <laughs> trying all different ones and being like, take this. And Allie would not take it when she was really little either. It didn't matter. She'll take any of them. Like there's a couple different shapes and, and stuff. Um, the biggest issue is Lola wants to pre-try them before. Well, that's, that's delicious. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think the hardest thing about this, like I said, it's when they both need me. And I want to be careful here because I just... I just know that one day Lola's going to bring this episode into her therapist and be like, see, like, see my mother, like all, this is my mother, but like Lola's therapist, if you're listening, um, I'm doing my best and <laughs> tell her to call me or uh, at least come home for Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> it's just hard. Like it's the hard part about this is, is is having a two-year-old and you know for the moms that had babies back-to-back like right away like the Irish twin situation I almost think like if your kid is like 17 months when your baby's born it might even be a little better because they're not two <laughs> and for anyone who has a baby later they're not two but like having say, a baby right two is a year mark <laughs> two is a unique age of like and I say this with love and compassion but like two-year-olds from especially like from two and a half to three psychosis just yeah. absolute off the wall like screaming for no reason throwing things for no reason picking up little phrases that just can like get they're like like lately Allie's been saying no I'm fine that drives me up a fucking wall and like it's like you're, they're two and they're little and you know that but it's just like they're so crazy so I can't imagine like right now having a tiny baby and also because until now Lola's been the center of your world that's all that it oh, is yeah. so I know I know it's hard but it's probably good for her to see that like you have to do other things and that will teach her that she can do other things yeah I mean we're we're getting through it and you know we have amazing like I'm not at all worried about our connection or anything like you know it's like we got a solid bond like she's an awesome kid and it's it's hard it's just an adjustment and we're getting through it I think it was double hard because I was physically unable to like do anything with her for longer than expected um, and like, like I said, just when I started kind of feeling myself again, like taking her out to ice cream, you know, whatever going on walks, just her and I, I had the gallbladder surgery and I was like back on my. Started over. Or, or... And, and that's harder for them to understand. Cause it's like, exactly. well, there's a baby there, like things are different, but it's like mommy's gallbladder is out. They'll be like, sure. Great. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. Like mommy's sick. Great. I'm sick all the time too. And I run around. Doesn't matter. Like it's very yeah. abstract for them and she won't no, remember absolutely. this. It'll be okay. No. And that was the thing I kept telling myself. I was like, I know on the grand scheme of things, like this will all be a blip in the radar. But that first month I was like, Oh my God, how are we going to get through this? I mean, Jay has been phenomenal. Jay has been working full time, but he comes home and like, you know, again, I'd be on the couch with Annabelle and he's, 
having a tea party with Lola, taking her to the park, running around outside, doing gymnastics with her in the living room. Like he's just been super dad. And, you know, I think that's another thing that I've just been thinking a lot about is like, you know, I did this once before by myself and now I've done it with a partner and I can't imagine having two without a partner, you know, like having one sleepy, cool, chill baby is one thing, but having a sleepy, chill baby and a two-year-old, a lively, beautiful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, but like, literally, literally bouncing off the windows kid. Like, you know, you need, you need, you need help. Um, and so my mom has been amazing. Jay has been amazing. Um, but I think a lot about this, about like the partnership aspect and like, you know, I, I, I'm here to say, and I know this is like the way most, most people come to parenthood, but like, I think it's a scam. Like, it's I a, think it's a total scam. Total scam. <laughs> I think it's raw. Like, I think, I think we really need to reconsider the order of things because, you know, like, look, when I had Lola on my own, I had a baby because I really wanted to have a baby. I had a baby by myself. I learned how to be a mom. I learned my kid. And then when I was ready to and when I felt like I had something to give someone else, you know, I put myself out there and I decided like, OK, I'm ready. I have something to give someone else. And I'm going to set up a schedule when it works to do that. Like, you know, like and I told Jay when we first started seeing each other, like, you know, I you know, I'm a new mom. I really can't like, we're not going to like be going to Mexico, like, you know, for a week, you know, but we could, but like Thursday nights for, for three hours, I can come over. And so my relationship started as something I did like outside of motherhood. It was like a connection for me. And, you know, I wasn't bringing Lola around in the beginning, like with somebody new. So it was like, you know, time with Jay was special and it was just him and I, it was, like fun time for me that like had nothing to do with with my identity as a mom or Lola and over time of course that changed as he came into our circle more um you know and and he and Lola started developing a bond and stuff and you know he started coming into our home and our life and day to day but I'm just like reminded how like you know for most people you fall in love you have a baby and then I feel like for most people, like you're spending the rest of your life trying to figure out how to get back to where you were in your connection from before you had that baby. And, you know, one of the things Jay and I, we talk about it, but it's like, you know, we're still very early into this, you know, it's one month in, but like on the hard days, there's a finite amount of attention and energy and love to go around. We're giving it to the kids. Like, of course, like the girls are going to get it um as they should but what that means is that like there's not a whole lot left for each other or for us to give ourselves and I think that's the thing that I'm still like just I'm trusting that we will figure out and we'll get easier but like you know I'm still on maternity leave which is amazing and I'm just trusting by the time I go back I'll be we'll, we'll have more practice at it and we'll figure out how um how to do it but I think it's really hard to give to your kids give to yourself what you need and give to your partner like you know this is my first time trying to do do all those all three and I'm just like damn like it's really hard it's, it's impossible it's impossible until you decide like okay I have to do this like how do I do this because it's like you can just say well I'll put up with this for a while and then you get into what they call the roommate phase right where you're just like right. 
both doing the same things you'll like share responsibilities but like you're not like in love with each other like you're just kind of like white knuckling it through which is not a place you want to be and I felt like when we had Allie especially because it was like still in COVID and like just it was like the first baby in a long time like Chris had never held not never held a baby but like had never held a baby before Allie for like more than three minutes probably like it was very and like I had grown up with 20 cousins and changed diapers since I was like 10 years old so it was very different but like you have to that puts a real big toll on your relationship but then at the same time you have to be like all right well I this is important to me so I'm gonna make bite-sized pieces of time for this to work like even if yeah. only for 30 minutes like if we know she's gonna take a nap during this time like we'll both watch a movie we'll put down our phones and whatever and we'll be with each other and if that's all you get that's 30 minutes you didn't have last week and you just kind of build on that and like once your baby starts sleeping and like if you have any like eating issues like once everything kind of calms down like around month like three or four I feel like it gets a lot more manageable but like it's also hard to like you have like your mom and your sister will come up to help you too but like when you don't have someone as familiar like leaving your baby with someone to like go out is hard too so like if you're struggling with that I think that's super normal we went on our first like date night um when Allie was like three months old and then we didn't have another one until she was over a year which I don't recommend but like you have to just consciously make that time for each other even if it's little and it helps but just like little bites for now totally we went to lunch for like an hour i met him on his lunch break uh, a couple weeks ago my mom watched annabelle for for that hour um and that was good and you know again it's funny because it's not some so it's weird too because like we're newlyweds like the relationship is still new and so it's like it's so weird like feeling like inside i mean of course we're not you know it's not new new relationship really and no but if you hadn't had a baby you would be like Right. It would, like, it would be different. Like you had a baby and then like 18 days later or you got married and then 18 days later you had a baby. Like Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's kind of crazy because, you know, and something I wasn't expecting at all and I was sort of like ashamed to admit is like, you know, I remember texting you about this too. It's like the first couple days, like I was like trying to figure out what it is I really was like wanted from Jay and needed from Jay because he was doing, you know, the dishes and and helping with meals and helping with Lola. Like he was doing all those things. But I was like, I was like, I need, I was just like, I need a hug. (laughs) I just want physical touch. I just want to be held right now. I just want attention. I want affection. And it's like, everybody in the house needs that. Even, even Josie, our dog, like, you know, it's like oh, poor it's just for her too. So like everybody needs hugs. Everyone needs attention. And, you know, Jay's been really great about that. And like, you know, when I'm nursing, like he'll rub my back or like he'll rub my feet. And like, you know, it's important for me. Like that's just something. But again, you know, I think about it and it's like by design, this whole setup um, of like meeting someone, falling in love, having a baby, then not being able to physically connect the first six weeks because you're recovering, which is important. But it's just like, you know, it's just sort of this impossible thing where like, you know, like your partner isn't having the same experience as you because they didn't give birth, but they are having their own experience of becoming a parent. Um, And you're trying to connect. And in our case, you're trying to take care of two kids two sick kids and you know again then me with my surgery like (laughs) I'm just like damn like this is Jay had your hands full this is tricky Jay had his hands full Jay MVP um super grateful and I also like you know 
and I don't want to like jinx myself, but when we were going through this, like I was like, you know what? This has got to be like it's going to be easier. It's yeah, be this, easier. Is, this is like it, this, it, it this doesn't get much. <laughs> doesn't get much harder than what you had. And I also think it's important to acknowledge, like when you go through something like that, or even like a traumatic birth, and your partner has to watch that happen to you. Yeah, that's something that we don't think about, but like that is very hard for them to and, like to watch you suffer like that, and like yeah that's really hard and like especially being like in a surgery like when they're like taking all your guts out and then putting them back like that's just a lot like on top of everything else like your partner doesn't have the same experience as you because they do not have the same like pain and just overall experience of giving birth but you also can't understand them having to like be helpless and just watch you suffer because that's really hard too so like and it's like it's okay to talk about that like once everyone's safe in your home like check in on each other like I think those first like emotional conversations of like I just need a hug or like I feel really sad and I don't know why like baby blues or whatever like those are it's hard to bring up but it's easy after that yeah no totally and I you know again I kept telling myself I was like you know one day soon I'm gonna have more energy I'm gonna have physical strength like and that's the thing is because for me like my whole pregnancy it it wasn't a tough pregnancy but I I didn't have energy I didn't feel like myself like I feel like, you know, now I'm like finally like, oh, I'm a really efficient person. I get a lot of things done. Like I am capable of like a lot of things. And it's like, that's how you do it. But in the first couple of weeks, you know, again, it's like you can't foresee that. You're like, how does anyone do this? Well, and, now, and you're not but- you're not a person who slows down. Like you're very bad right. at that. So like right. when you're I think when you're forced to do it, you're just like, oh, but like I want to be doing this. Or like it's just completely it's hard. It's hard to get in that mode of like not being who you like, not feeling like yourself. That's exactly it. Yeah. And and so I kept telling myself, I was like, you know, I'm gonna feel like myself again. And Annabelle's gonna get bigger. And I maintain just like the the sturdier they get, the kind of more, you know, just yeah it's just easier it's less scary the less fragile they are you know mm-hmm. they kind of bounce like she's not there yet she's still itty bitty but um I'm looking forward to that a little bit just because you know there's a lot of a lot of roughness in the house Lola I can imagine <laughs> Lola Lola loves holding her like she loves holding Wait, her does she want want to hold her all the time she does and but like once she holds her she's sort of like done after like 30 seconds you know what I mean and I have to be like you need to tell me when you're ready to put her down you know yeah I mean? you can't just can't clunk the baby on the couch like this has been real but I'm gonna go play with Barbies now it's also oh speaking of Barbies <clears throat> uh actual thing I said the other day was oh god what was it <laughs> I said you're going to need to eat the cheese out of the Barbie <laughs> dream house. <laughs> so we're really into Lola's really into ice pops. And uh, we have one of those freezers on the bottom, which is the worst freaking design anywhere. Like, I don't understand why anyone thought that was a good idea. Parents do not do not buy a freezer, a fridge with a freezer on the bottom. Because for the past six months, Lola has been going and opening the freezer, taking out a pop, leaving the freezer open, and then <laughs> demanding to eat it. It's a lot harder to say no when it's already in their hands. But anyway, I said no to the pop, which I thought was good. And her alternative was going into the fridge and getting shredded mozzarella cheese. As, I was as like, you would. I don't know right, why you like, think that's weird. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, she's my kid. <clears throat> like, she wants to eat shredded cheese by the handful. Sure. Like, that's a better breakfast food than ice pops um and this all happens always like it's just the law like that while i'm nursing 
something like or pumping like lola is into the one thing that she shouldn't be so uh yeah shredded cheese all over the living room and in barbie's dream house like there's a cheese room in barbie's dream house um not to be confused with the bluey uh dream house thank you aunt Corey and aunt megan for the barbie dream house and bluey dream house we have a lot of dream houses in this dream house and um <laughs> jay was like one of these has to go i was like no they can't they sorry jay up. they yeah. can't go they're both they're both cheese factories <laughs> at this point pretty much well so we opened <laughs> the bluey dream house last night and she's like oh my pizza and I'm like, what? And there's like a half-eaten piece of pizza in the Bluey Dream house. And we haven't had pizza in a week. So I was just like, damn. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I was like, please don't eat that. Like, please don't eat that pizza. <laughs> you can have all the shredded cheese you want. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I mean, again, like I'm laughing and most of the time. Uh, there are times when the three of us, you know, Lola, Annabelle, and I are all crying um, less so these days, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's an adventure, and you know, it's it's gonna be super cool. Like I just like when I'm like having it, when I'm going through it, I like picture myself like going to visit them when they're eighteen and twenty, and like going out for like Thai food and like hearing about like their internship drama. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like yeah. one day, like it's gonna be super cool. <laughs> And I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I also fantasize about them being like five and seven and you know what I mean? 10 and 12. And, you know, like, I'm not just like, I can't wait till they're grown because I love, I love all this and I'm so excited to see, but I am just like, you know, this is a relatively short time where it's super dramatic and emotional and everyone's adjusting. And for most of their life, like they're going to be, I hope best friends. Like I always tell them, I'm like, are you girls going to live together? Like, are you going to share an apartment? <laughs> like, you know, like, can I come stay with you? Like, where are we traveling abroad? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I love it. Like, I, I think it's going to be super cool. This like gift for a lifetime. My sister is the best thing that ever happened to me. Like, I, I can't imagine life without her. So like, it's the best thing for both of them to have each other. And I, you know, am a hundred percent sure. And, but, um, yeah, man, it, it's not, it's not, it's not what I thought. <laughs> You've had, I think, a uniquely wild experience um, that I have never heard of anyone else quite having between the 37-week C-section, <laughs> the RSV, the gallstones of it all. Yeah. It's been a lot. So I think you like, you need to pat yourself on the back. Like you're doing a great job. She's beautiful. I can't wait to meet her in person. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. No, not for nothing too. My pediatrician was like, you know, the fact that you breastfed through all that is like, she was like, you like, just like, good job. And that made me feel really good because it was hard. It was painful to breastfeed, not just the way breastfeeding normally is, but like when you're sick up and yeah. down with these incisions, like the gallbladder incisions too, like one right in between my boobs one right above my belly button and two Ugh. on my side oh my and you know God. this baby's laying across my belly like anyway so yeah I feel super super proud that we made it through I also like I said feel super lucky and fortunate that we had you know that they'd listened to me too in the in the hospital when I was like no this isn't just 
pain from nursing this isn't just my posture <laughs> you know and they were like all right I guess we'll do an ultrasound and it was like oh thank god like advocating for myself but also like again that I had access to you know the help and support I needed when I most needed it so I could be okay for for my kids you know I was texting you saying this too it's like yeah. it's so clear when they're so little that when they're so dependent on our bodies being healthy that we have to take care of ourselves. That's why I was like, take the gallbladder out now because I can't afford an emergency situation in three weeks or three days or three minutes. Like I, I need to be able to feed my kid and like breastfeed her as much as possible or pump. That was another thing. It's like, I wasn't planning on pumping a ton because I wasn't planning on leaving her in the first three weeks, but then I had to go have surgery and stuff. And thank God I had been collecting some milk, but um, anyway, it just was very clear to me that like, we have to take care of ourselves because our kids need us and maybe it's like, duh, but like our physical health and our emotional health, like it's, it's, it's critical. You can, to only, you can only put so much on the back burner. Like there's some stuff exactly. you can, but it's like, it gets to the point where, okay, well like the back burner is full and now everything's on fire. What are you going to do? Like, yeah, it's okay to put yourself first sometimes because like the very cliche, like put your mask on before you help others. Like you have to. There's, no, totally. no one else was, can do it and it was funny because my mom you know when when I called her and was like I have to go to the emergency room like I'm okay but you know and my mom was just like and I was just like you know so preoccupied with the kids I'm like you know Lola has music class tomorrow and this is where her lunch stuff is and Annabelle and this is the milk and blah 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 and my mom's just like you can worry about your daughters, but I'm yeah, going like, to worry about my daughter. And like, mm -hmm. I'm worried about you. Like, she was like, I'm going to take care of you. Like you could take care of. And I was just like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, Oh, she's got something to say. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> oh, girly pop. But yeah. And that's just also to speak like the mental load that like women carry and like, you know, you have to be like, I have to figure out all the things and give her the lunch and like make sure everything's set before I go because I might need emergency surgery. Like women are totally just selfless. No, and I was like so emotional because I like, you know, this is me being dramatic too. Like I knew I was, you know, I I didn't know what it was when I was going to the emergency room, but like I knew I was coming home. But like just the experience of like telling Jay, like, these are all the things I keep like these are this is where everything is like I was like I was it was so emotional like I left and it was like night it was dark I was like crying I was just and like, going oh, by yourself God. is so hard too because you're like I know oh, it's lonely you're tired but you did it you did it we did it yeah and yeah I'm like looking forward to much like you know everything else now does feel a little less a little less drama yeah you'll get there but you're doing a great job. Oh, look at that head control. You know, really. All right. Go take care of that little baby. I love you. I'm happy to be back. I love you. I'm so glad you're back. We're so thankful to all of our guests that came on while you were on your yes. mat leave. Oh but my God, you held it down, Cora. Speaking of people that held it down. Thank you. We figured it out over here. Mom's helping bombs. That's what this is about. But I'm so excited you're back. So happy to be back too. So. All right. Love ya. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Delete If Not Allowed. We'd love if you'd send in your parenthood questions or hottest mom group drama to deleteifnotalloudpod at gmail.com. This podcast was hosted by Rachel Cook and Corey Santiago, produced by Megan Conroy, Rachel Cook, and Corey Santiago. 
Edited by Jesse Sander, music by Nate Sander. We'd like to thank our husbands, our daughters, and all the people who helped us along the way, however big or small. New episodes of Delete If Not Allowed drop every Wednesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Delete If Not Allowed Pod or find us on Facebook as Delete If Not Allowed.